Take your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 19. Message in our giving series, and before y'all say amen, uh, I said before you say amen, uh, there's a reason we did six messages. Uh, we could have done more, uh, we didn't. But there's a theology of giving that is greater than any one or two messages can contain. I could have preached just on the tithing from, from Malachi and made that point and moved on. But there's more to giving than just tithing, which hopefully that's what y'all seen over the last five and today six weeks. So we, we have six messages for a reason. There's more to it than just one message. Plus, you might have noticed, and, and it's going to happen again this morning, that these messages have overlapped somewhat, kind of like an armadillo hide. Uh, that you didn't want, we don't want chinks in our armor. When armor doesn't overlap, you get gaps, and those gaps are weaknesses. So we don't want a weakness in our theology, whether it's a theology of giving or a theology of Christ or a theology of salvation or any of our theologies, we want those messages to, uh, to overlap and to prepare us and to protect us from whatever it is the Bible is trying to protect us from. And in this case, it would be from greed and, and materialism and withholding what is rightfully God's. So they've intentionally overlapped to create this theological armor when it comes to the uh, idea of, of giving. So that's what we're looking at this morning. The last message in this series, give in faith. Give in faith from uh, Philippians 4, 15 through 19. Hudson Taylor, one of the first missionaries, very possibly one of the best known uh, evangelical missionaries, said, let us give up our work, our plans, ourselves, our lives, our loved ones, our influence, our all, right into God's hand. And then, when we have given all to him, there will be nothing left for us to be troubled about. There's a theology of giving. There's what we have tried to cover over the last five weeks and attempt to uh, wrap up today. When we give God all of those things that Hudson Taylor talks about, uh, he, he doesn't even uh, mention money in that, in that quote, by the way. When we give God all of those things, we are giving those things in faith. When we give our children, last week we talked about Hannah and giving Samuel. When she gave Samuel to the Lord, she was giving in faith that, the, that God was going to give him back, maybe, but if not, he was still going to use Samuel for a greater purpose than she could have ever imagined. So she gave her son in faith. When we give to God, we are giving based on him, not our circumstances. When we give our children, when we give our money, when we give our possessions, when we give our time, our plans, our lives, when we give all of these things that Hudson Taylor talked about, we are giving to the Him based not on what we can see and what we think we understand and how we think plans should go, but instead we are giving to God based on who He is. We are giving to Him in faith because we understand that His truth is more sure, accurate, and secure than our perception of the reality that's going on around us. 
We can give in faith when we don't have it to give because we trust God with it, not ourselves with it. Giving is a heart issue. If you've got nothing else out of these six weeks, let's get that. That your giving is not a wallet issue or a bank account issue, but our giving, whether it's finances or anything else, is a heart issue. I've, I think I've mentioned before, I've heard of uh, grandparents that have sued their own children for custody of the grandchildren because they refuse to allow their children to take their grandchildren to the mission field. That is not giving to God in faith. That is thinking you have a better plan than God does. That is thinking that you are safer and more secure than God is. There is no safer, no more secure, financially or otherwise, place to be in life than right smack dab in the middle of God's will. If we are there, we have no concerns about anything else. I think the Bible teaches that over and over, and we see a little of that this morning in Philippians 4, 15 through 19. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, And you, Philippians, know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to the Lord. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you that, God, we can give in faith and we can trust you to keep, to hold, to, to make secure not only what we give you, but everything in our lives. Lord, forgive us collectively and individually where we have failed to give you what is rightfully yours. As we learned last week, it's all yours. And yet you only ask for well, the part that you ask for. Lord, forgive us where we have held that back, not given you what you told us to give, not been obedient, and therefore have had a wicked, disobedient heart toward you. Lord, change that in our lives, not just through one message or one particular verse, but God, through the growing, through the sanctification that we can experience, through the regular study and hearing of your word. God, make us new people because of the time we spend today studying what you have sent us in your Bible. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeff, were you trying to get my attention? Okay, I just, he had a flashlight looking at something, and I thought he was trying to signal me, and I don't know Morse code. Um, so, give in faith this morning. That's our message. Give in faith from Philippians uh, 4. Six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yep, six reasons this morning that we need to give in faith. Give in faith because. That's where we're, what we're going to look at. Am I not on? Oh, you were trying to get my attention. Am I on now? Am I on now? I was on earlier. What happened? I got no battery. 
Like, I literally have no battery. <laughs> That'll do it every time, let me tell you. Yeah. I'm preaching this message whether I have electricity or not. We interrupt this message for... This, this commercial is brought to you by Duracell. I saw him leave. He should have just dropped it down. I can keep going. Oh, is this on? Hello? Oh, okay, good. I can keep going while he comes down. Good job. All right. Give in faith because six reasons. First reason we give in faith because we don't know who else will give. We, we, don't, we don't know what else is going to happen. We don't know who else is going to step up and do what needs to be done. So in this passage, in verse 15, Paul tells the Philippians, You Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. They, they were the only ones that were willing to give. They were the only ones that were willing to step up and do it. I thought I was going to be slick and do this while talking, but I don't know which side the, I don't know which is which. That's backwards. That's it. Am I on now? Yeah. All right. Yay. Yay, batteries. It wasn't a Duracell, that's true. Brought to you by some rechargeable battery company. Uh, the Philippian church was the only one supporting Paul financially. They were the only one sending him uh, these, these gifts. Uh, they were the only ones sending him financial support and money. And that, that wasn't a bad thing. If you remember, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more Test. Test. Yeah, I guess we're just going to have to go. I'm still on, so something blew somewhere else. I just can't wander this morning. I'll stand right here and let him figure it out. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit more Paul's desire for the people and what that meant. But he wasn't looking for financial giving. As a matter of fact, he provided his own way. Paul was a tent maker. Uh, Paul's where we get the idea of international missionaries going to foreign countries and, and getting a job there and supporting themselves financially with resources as necessary from mission boards. That's one of the things as the International Mission Board has struggled financially over the last few years, they have been encouraging more and more of uh, to, to send in every way possible. Whatever gets people onto the field, that's what we do. So that's what Paul was. So he, he wasn't concerned about them not giving or the other churches not giving. That wasn't his point. But his point was, look, y'all are the only ones that are doing it. He, he uses this phrase, giving and receiving, which is actually financial language, like from the business world of the day. But it had been co-opted by this time to mean a, an intimate friendship and relationship, giving and receiving of this, this friendship, this financial language. So he's kind of doing a pun here. Y'all have 
given and, and you receive, now the question might come up, well, what are they going to receive? Well, obviously they received the gospel from him to begin with. But there was something more than that that uh, Paul could not supply, but God would, and we'll see that in verse 19. But they didn't know who else. At the time, they didn't know what other churches were supporting him. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know all of Paul's needs. They just knew that they needed to give to support this mission. The call here, the call to everyone, is to give both as an, and as an individual and as a collective mandate. The call is to you as an individual, to me as an individual, but to us as a church. The call is clear to give. It is my personal responsibility to give regardless of what you do. It is your individual responsibility to give regardless of what the person next to you does, regardless of what your best friend does or anyone else in, in the church does. It is our responsibility to give. It is our church's call to give, too. And what we do is the cooperative program. We support missions in a number of different ways, sending our own, uh, but also coming together with other like-minded churches and supporting literally thousands of missionaries around the world. It is our call to do so, but we don't know who else will do it. A question that was asked, uh, I don't remember who, what famous preacher asked the question, but one of them did, said, if everybody gave like you, how much would people be giving? What would be funded? What would churches be able to do? What would mission boards be able to do? If everyone gave the same way you do, that's the individual call, but that is also the community call, the, the collective call on our church to give. Give in faith because you don't know who else is going to, verse 15. Give in faith because you don't know how far your gift will go, in verse 16. Paul says, for even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my need several times. Now, if you look on a map, and I didn't put the map up there for you, but if you turn to the back of your Bible, if, and you can do that now or later, it doesn't matter, and if you look at Paul's missionary journeys, uh, Thessalonica and Philippi are about that far apart. Now, that's further, it's further than that in real life. But on your map, it's about that far apart. They're not that far. So when Paul says, even in Thessalonica you supported me, they, they live in the same region, Macedonia. Those two towns were the same state, for example. It would be similar to saying uh, to people in Sulphur, even when I was in Lafayette, you supported me. And we'd be like, you're just in Lafayette, dude. I mean, wasn't that big a deal for us to get you money in Lafayette? Even back then with the roads, you know, they didn't, they didn't have uh, PayPal or uh, uh, for, for you older folks, Western Union, um, or uh, for you real old folks, the Pony Express. Uh, they didn't have those. Anybody? No, okay, I, got too, I went too far. All right, I, just, I didn't think we had any of those. Just checking. Um, they didn't have those methods. It, actually, they did have something like the Pony Express, to be honest. That is what they used. It wasn't that it was so far away. It was that Philippi was an impoverished town. Thessalonica was very much a, a wealthy town wealthy city, much better off. So Paul's saying not uh, because of the distance even in Thessalonica, but the, the difference between the two. Even when I was in a place where you would think I didn't need support, and he, he probably didn't, even when I was there, you supported me. And you have no idea what that did 
for me, is what he's saying. It meant something to him. It meant something to him when he said, I don't take support from anybody. I don't encourage people to support me. I don't want people to send me money because I don't want anyone to think they own the gospel. I support myself, therefore I am free from any encumbrances, any committees, any cartels, any groups that are trying to do things. I am free from all of that because they don't own me by salary, is what he's saying. Yet he was willing to take this money because he knew the difference that it would make, we're going to see in a minute, in the people, but he understood what was going on in the life of the, the mission at the time. See, when we, when we give, our giving can send people around the world. Our little bit, our 10% that we send, 10 and a half, 11 and a half right now, uh, percent that we send to the cooperative program sends missionaries around the world. Depending on our budget at the time, our, our giving to the cooperative program is somewhere around $70,000, $80,000 a year. You look at our budget line item for missions, and our mission spending is up closer to $100,000 a year. That sounds like a lot of money, and believe me, it is. But when you're talking about the mission field, it's not. I mean, that money probably trains $100,000, if I remember my numbers correctly, is about half what it costs to train one missionary. That's just to train. That's not support. That is just to train. But our money provides that. What we do does things that we will never see. Our, our giving affects people we will never know about. We will never see this side of heaven. I, I believe, and I don't know what heaven's going to be like, and, and you don't either, uh, but I think there will be some sort of understanding when we get there of the little things that we did that created a, uh, an enormous gospel effect. We will see our little bit here and our little bit there and how God took that and did something tremendous in the life of someone with the gospel. Our giving, though maybe small, can be used infinitely by God. Let's always go back to that little dude with his sack lunch. Five loaves and two fish and the 5,000 that were fed from that. That kid and that kid's mama never thought that lunch was going to do what it did. She thought that lunch was going to feed that kid. Lunch probably supper that may have been breakfast too that may have been his meals for the day you make this last y'all told your kids that before right you better make this last it's the only snack you're gonna get make this last this is all you've got and the disciples said give me that lunch kid and they took it well i hope they were nicer about it than that they can i have this for jesus and he said yes and gave it to him and jesus took that lunch and fed 5,000 people. Jesus can take your giving, no matter what the amount, no matter how you think it's insignificant, and whether we're talking about finances or time or something else, he can take all of that and multiply it and do something great if we give in faith. Give in faith because you don't know how far your gift, your gift will go. Number three, give in faith because you don't know how you will benefit. Verse 17, Paul said, not that I seek the gift, 
Remember, he, he, he didn't ask for them to give anything. As a matter of fact, didn't want churches to support him directly because he felt they would, he thought they would feel they had some sort of power over him. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. Here's where I say, Paul was adamant that people not send him money, that he not be supported by churches. And yet here he is praising these people. But notice what Paul doesn't do. And I read a number of different commentaries. Am I on when I wander around? No, okay, I'll stay here. It's going to be hard. Uh, Paul never comes right out and says, gee, Philippians, thank y'all for supporting me financially, sending me this money. That, that phrase isn't used. He doesn't say that. It's roundabout thanks. Um, this giving and receiving, that, that was part of it. This You have shown incredible friendship uh, by, by this act you're doing, that kind of thing. But never just comes right out and says, thank y'all, because... He doesn't, he wants to say thank you without being too effusive, without saying too much about it. He's going to go on here in a second and tell them, I'm good. I've got everything I need. He's basically saying, don't send me any more. I'm good. So you, you see what he's doing? He, he's trying to thank them without looking like he's asking for more money without encouraging them too much and, and, and without encouraging too many other churches, I'm sure, because these letters were passed around. We got a letter from Paul. We got a letter from Paul. And every church in the area read it uh, without encouraging other churches. Oh, he really liked that. Well, we'll send him money too. Paul's trying to say, thank you for what you did. I don't really need it, but, but, let me tell you how you benefit, church. He, he, he goes on to say, if you're going to give, he was most blessed by their spiritual growth from it. Paul's saying, don't, don't give to me. Don't give because of me. But if you're going to give, I rejoice in the fact that you personally are profiting spiritually from it. The, profit, the, the spiritual profit that you gain from giving will far outweigh any financial loss you experience from giving. When you give, when you decide, I'm giving of my time, like in two weekends when we have Christmas under the oaks, I just happened to look at the sign-up sheet on the Connection Center back there, and it's blank. Uh, so when you decide you're going to give your two or three hours to Christmas under the oaks uh, at our booth, you're, you're not losing that time. You are gaining something from the Lord because you chose to give. When you give financially at a point where you don't think you can give financially, you are not losing financially. You are gaining. You are profiting because of your spiritual step, your step of faith, your sacrifice to the Lord. When you give yourself, your child, your time, your plans, your life, you're not losing those things. You are actually gaining spiritually because you are saying, God, I worship and I trust you and I give you these things. Give in faith because you don't know how you'll benefit. Number four, give in faith because you don't know how to worship without faith. Verse 18, Paul says, but I have received everything in full. I got everything you sent me. 
and I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided. I'm good, y'all. I've got everything I need. Thank you for your gift. I appreciate it. I'm good. But what you provided, he says, was a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. That's what he is praising them for. Their sacrifice, their, their worship, their, their pleasing God through what they gave. Follow me in this logic if you can. According to Paul here, your giving pleases God. It is worship to God to give. Okay, that, that's clear, right? Right there in that passage in verse 18. Your giving pleases God. It's worship to him. The writer of Hebrews later on will tell us, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Uh, Paul will say in Corinthians, I can do all these wonderful things, uh, but if I don't have love, you know, I'm, I'm just a clanging cymbal. I'm, I'm worthless. I'm noisy, but I'm not getting anything done. So, you know, we can do certain acts and then have little to no meaning spiritually because the heart behind it isn't right. So, without faith, the Hebrew, writer of Hebrews says, it's impossible to please God. But our giving pleases God. Then, maybe I should have done it as if-then statements. If your giving pleases God, and if without faith it's impossible to please God, then in order for your giving to be pleasing to worship to God, it must be done in faith. Now we've talked about some through these six weeks what that meant, what, what giving in faith would look like. We haven't defined it like we are this morning, but we've seen what it would look like. We give joyfully, we give willingly, we give generously. But until we are giving in faith, our giving doesn't mean anything. Our giving isn't worship unless we are giving in faith that God is going to take what we do and do something greater than we can imagine with it. We don't get the spiritual profit. Our profit from giving is worship. Our number one goal, folks, is to worship. That's what we were created for, was worship. We're called, we're told the command is to make disciples. But our purpose as humanity is to worship. So our profit is that when we give, we get to worship. Let me get you to notice one more thing just in this verse. Again, to show you how that armadillo hide overlaps. Paul says, you gave, I received it, I'm good. But what you gave, what you provided, was a, favorite, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Last week, we talked about give to God. Not to a church, not to a person, a committee, a fund, or anything like that, but give to God. Paul's saying the same thing right here. You, you, you were thinking you were giving to me, but you weren't. You were giving to God when you gave. Because... They were worshiping. It was an act of worship for them to give. Number five, give in faith because you don't know what your need will be. Verse 19, first half, and my God will supply all your needs. The Philippians, in case you haven't made the connection yet, and there's no reason really why you would have because I haven't mentioned Macedonia much. 
The Philippians were part of the Macedonians that Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. When he says they gave from their poverty, they were poor but they gave anyway, that's Philippi. That's the Philippians. That's who he's talking about. So in one very real sense, the folks in Philippi knew what their need was. They, they knew financially, we're not good. You may think right now, I'm good, I, I, can, I can do this, but you don't know what your need will be tomorrow. And, and some of us give based on that. Well, I do this, but I don't know what's happening tomorrow. You're right, you don't. And you won't. God knows. You don't understand your need. Even if you knew what your need would be tomorrow, there's no guarantee that by not giving of yourself now that you would be able to supply that need. As a matter of fact, I would submit to you that if you know your need later and what God is asking from you now seems to make that need worse later on, you absolutely better give it to him. Because he will be able to meet your need far better than you will be able to. And you might be amazed at how the need is met in a way that you would never have imagined. See, God supplying all our needs is dependent on our faith in him. You see how this is kind of backing up to what we've already talked about this morning? We give because we don't know what our need is. If we're going to trust God, if we think he is going to supply our needs, we have to have faith in him to do that. We don't do that. God... I might, I might need a new car in a few years. So I'm going to begin to save for that car. Now that's good planning. Certainly we want, to, want you to do that. But what if God said specifically that that you were going to save for, I want you to give to whatever. But God, I'm planning for a car. I, I know I'm going to need that. And God says, I know you're going to need that too. And I'm wanting you to place that need in my hands. What we want to do is say, well, God, I'll do this other thing in, 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 in place of what you're asking for so I can be sure and meet that need in case you don't. Would that be defined as faith? No. Yeah, that, I was going to help you with the answer. No. You say, you might say, we might say, I have said in my past, I can't afford to give. The truth is, I can't afford not to give. It doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter financially what situation I am in. I cannot afford not to give if I'm going to give in faith and expect God to meet my need. We want God to meet our needs, but us to be able to do whatever we want to in the meantime. And he says, no. If I'm going to meet your needs, you are going to give to me what I ask and be obedient to me. And that's what the, the, the scripture here is telling us. There's no promise that needs are supplied to those who don't give. There's no promise that our needs will be taken care of if we aren't resting in faith on the God who promises to supply our needs. It just doesn't work that way. And also... Let's remember, this isn't just talking about physical needs. Paul says, God will supply all your needs. He has moved from physical material to spiritual here. God will supply every 
need. So you may not have a financial need. Remember, we're saying you don't know what your need will be. You may never have another financial worry in your life, no matter what you give to the Lord. It just, it, it may, it just, it's not an issue for you at all in your situation right now, and that is wonderful. But we're not just talking about physical needs. You don't know what your spiritual need down the road might be that is answered, is supplied, because you made a spiritual decision to give of yourself, of your finances, of your time, of your family at some point in the past. Now, I'm, I can't connect those dots for you, and I'm not even going to try to this morning. But I do know the truth of the matter is, when I make a decision to follow God in faith in the past, it later on supplies me builds me up, prepares me for the opportunity to follow God in faith again. Isn't that why we try to get people, kids, whoever we're training to do something, to do it correctly over and over and over? Muscle memory, we learn how to do it, we're better at it as we do it. Faith is the same way. The more I'm obedient to God and see his hand in my life because of my obedience, the more then I will be obedient to God because I will continue to see his hand in my life because of my obedience. That's the way it works. Number six, give in faith because you don't know how much God has. You don't know what your need will be, but you don't know how much God has because it says in the second half of 19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You may give or may not give rather because you think you won't have, yet God's promise is to supply all of your needs. Everything you could need, he will supply it. There is no point where you can legitimately say, I can't do this for God because I might need it later. There's no point. There's no time where that is an acceptable response to God's command. Because whatever he requires of you now, he will supply for you as you need it later on. It will happen every time. We have the promise right here. Uh, according to his riches, very important wording here that, uh, that Paul uses. And I just happened at the Louisiana Convention this past uh, Monday and Tuesday. If y'all come on Sunday nights, that's where I was Sunday night, was at the Louisiana Convention, Baptist Convention in Baton Rouge. Um, O.S. Hawkins, who uh, at one time was pastor of First Baptist Dallas, now he's... Uh, president of Guidestone, where ministers, most ministers get their insurance, put their retirement, that kind of thing. Um, he explained this passage, this phrase, according to his riches, this way. He said, if I were to pull out my wallet and give you, and say, here, here's a 20, you can have this 20, I would be giving you uh, from my riches. Riches is a loose term in this situation, okay? Uh, no riches here. I would just be giving you from what I have. This would reduce what I have by 20 if I gave that to you. Uh, from his riches means what he gives is a portion. This is a portion of what I have. But if I instead were to pull out a checkbook, 
I didn't bring my checkbook in here. And write your name to whoever, sign it, and, and, and leave the amount blank and give you that check. That would be according to my riches. Because at that point, you would have access to everything that I own financially. Good luck. But, but you see the difference, right? I'm not giving you just a little bit of what I have. I'm giving you all that I have. So according to his riches means his giving matches his full ownership. God says, I have everything in my stores. I have everything at my command. And that is what I can use to bless you, to meet your needs. Everything. Why would we think it's dangerous to give to God? Why would we worry that we might not have later if we give now? When God says, I've got everything. I will give you according to what I own. And what do I own? Everything. Not a little bit as if if we do too much here, we might run out. But I've got it all. And he can make more. And it's not like the federal government. They can print more money, but that just messes up the value. When God makes more, it's just more with the same value. And that's what he can do. No, I'm not telling you you're going to get rich. If you've, if you've thought that in these six sermons, you weren't listening. I'm not giving you a health and wealth message here. If you give to God, he'll give you back 10% more, 50% more. No, I'm telling you that everything you need will be supplied because God has it all. You don't have to worry about it. Every need will be supplied according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We have access to that promise because of Jesus. That's where it comes from. But this morning, your greatest need is not financial. Your greatest need is not that car you'll need in a couple of years, the repairs on the house or whatever. Your, your greatest need is not any of those things. Your greatest need today is salvation through Jesus Christ. And the greatest need ever supplied, the greatest need that God supplied, was from his limitless riches of grace. That was Jesus for our sins. See, the math works there too. But God, we have all, all of us are sinners. What infinite, seemingly, infinite amount of sin we are placing on Jesus. And God says, my grace is more infinite. Math teachers, don't, don't tell me you can have infinite and more infinite, or you can't. I, we're, not, we're not looking at it that way. My grace is bigger than your sin. My grace is more than your sin. You cannot out-sin God's grace. You cannot out-lost God's grace. What does that mean? You can't be more lost than God's grace can save you. You can't be so far away that God can't heal you and bring you back through salvation by his grace. It is infinite. And it is our greatest need. And it is implied from the same infinite God that says, I will meet all your needs. So this morning, 
Maybe you need to come to a realization of your need for salvation. Certainly, there may be those of us who need to apply this message on giving to our individual hearts and say, yes, I need to give in faith. I need to let go, whether it's financially or of my time or whatever. I need to do certain things in order to see my needs met, to give in faith so I can trust later on. Absolutely. And, and you need to deal with the Lord on that. But right now I'm talking to anyone who has not trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. You've never sampled the infinite riches of God's grace through Jesus Christ. You need to understand, first of all, that God is holy and just. God is perfect. And he will judge our imperfection, our sin. And that judgment will lead to eternal damnation, a separation from God in a Christless hell because of our lack of belief, because of our lack of trust. He will do that. It will be your decision, but he will allow you to live in eternity with your decision. He is holy and just. He will punish sin because, and we will be punished, because we are willfully sinful. We are willfully fallen, and our destiny, apart from Jesus, is everlasting torment and judgment. But from his riches of grace, God sent his son. He sent his son to die on the cross for you and for me. He took our place on that cross. He took our sin on that cross. And it is forgiven. It is wiped away. The slate is clean for everyone who will accept it. He died for everyone here, but your sin is not forgiven until you trust him for that salvation. And then three days later, he rose. In case you question, is he powerful enough to forgive my sin? Well, he was powerful enough to beat death. And he proved his love. He proved his salvation that day. And you then need to repent of your sin. You need to trust Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior. Place your faith in him for salvation by believing in him and in him alone. You're not saved when you give. You're not saved when you join a church. You're not saved if I can get you to say a prayer. Or you're not saved if I can get you to walk to the front. You're not saved if I can dunk you. You are saved when you turn to Christ. Repent of your sin. Trust Jesus for your salvation and him alone. The gospel is clear. Salvation is simple. But it must be acted upon. Today, repent of your sin. Trust Jesus. Believe him. And then live for him. Give your life to him. Decide today That we will give up our work, our plans, ourselves, our lives, our loved ones, our influence, our all, right into God's hand. And then when we have given all to him, there will be nothing left for us to be troubled about. If you give it all to God and trust Jesus, you don't have to worry about now or eternity. Trust Jesus today. Pray with me. Father, thank you that we can trust you with it all. That it's not a matter of you can handle some of it or a little bit of it 
we give you por a portion, but we've got to take care of the rest. God, no, we can give it all to you, and you will supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. God, forgive us when we have failed to be obedient out of fear and lack of faith. God, may we give in faith today our everything, everything we have, everything we are, and trust you with it and see the wonderful things that you're going to do with it. See the profit that increases in our lives, the spiritual profit, and see the amazing things you will do around the world because we were willing to lay it all on the altar for you. God, in this time of decision, may you work on the hearts of those here. Some believers need to make a decision to, to be more faithful in their giving. But God, someone here is struggling because they've never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Even now, they're not quite sure even what that means. But Lord, we pray that you would work on their hearts, soften and draw them, that they may experience salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what's your decision today? What are, what are you going to decide to do? Are, are you, given faith, is there a decision you need to make as a believer? And maybe you want to bring it up here to, and pray it at the pray rail, prayer rails. Maybe you want to ask me to pray for you. This morning I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to be over here on the side, in the corner. Not right here down front, not front and center. But if you would like to come and pray with me, do that. Jordan, I'm going to ask you. Actually, Jordan, if you'll go over there, I'll go over here. Either one of us will be able to pray with you. And you this morning, you're not focused on me. You're focused on worship because we're going to worship. This isn't filler time while people make a decision. This is time to worship and decide. So we're going to take this time now, a few minutes, come to either one of us on either side. We would love to pray for you, pray with you. Let's stand, let's sing, and let's do business with God this morning.